Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God who speaks and you speak from your word, which is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, You know the places in our lives where we need surgery uh, to remove things that are diseased and to bring health to our lives. So we pray that you do that by your word tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a famous quote. Um, Most of us may have, a lot of us may have said this. Most of us seen it, I'm sure, or heard it. Uh, It's one of those things that kind of just feels like, yeah, yeah, that's good advice. Uh, This above all, to thine own self be true. I've certainly heard it a lot, but I have to confess I hadn't really known where it came from. Some of you might know, don't call out. Um, it, It was actually, it sounds very modern, but it actually comes from more than 400 years ago. Uh, from the pen of William Shakespeare in his play Hamlet. Uh, We hear it on the lips of a character called Polonius. Uh, Polonius has a son, Laertes, who's about to go on a journey, and Polonius, good father that he is, is giving him advice. He gives him kind of a carry-on bag full of all kinds of little bits of advice to take with him. Things like, neither a borrower nor a lender be. There you go. Did you know that came from Hamlet as well? And this one, uh, this above all, son, to thine own self be true. So I want to get you to just think for a minute about what advice you might give to someone if you were if they were, you know, heading out to make their way in the world, what advice would you give them about how to live? And what would you tell them is the this above all piece of advice? What would cap it all off? As you're thinking about that, let me share with you some above all kind of advice from other people. Author Stephen King says, above all, be consistent. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Here's another one from a guy who I hadn't heard of before. I'm guessing um, he's he's from the States, but he's got a German-sounding name, so I'm going to pronounce it like it's German. Edward Tufte, who's a statistician. He's the father of infographics. He says, above all else, show the data, 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 however you want to say that. Um, But what about you? I mean, that's there, above all else, do this. What would your advice to a young person be? Well, maybe you noticed in the Bible reading when Jen was up here a moment ago, uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, we've got a situation similar to Polonius and Laertes in Hamlet. It's a father giving advice to his son about, here's how you're going to make your way in the world. Here are the things that you need to know. And his above all piece of advice is this. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Proverbs 4.23. Right at the top of the list of things you need to pay attention to, above all else, here's what you need to do. It's guard your heart. How many of you would have picked that for your piece of advice? My guess is most Aussies would say something that maybe sounds a little bit like that, but is kind of different. It might be something like, Above all else, listen to your heart. Above all else, follow your dreams. Uh, When I was growing up in the 70s, one of the great rock anthems was from the Masters and Apprentices, or sorry, the Masters Apprentices, uh, and their great anthem, the chorus was, do what you want to do, be what you want to be. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, But that kind of gets at it. It's the be true to yourself, Shakespeare. Follow your dreams, follow your heart. 
And in our 21st century Western culture, uh, that's kind of where it's at. The heart is the source of personal wisdom. The heart is, in our culture, the heart is considered as where your purest motives come from. The accepted wisdom in our world, and it's characterized there with Oprah, is that the heart is not to be questioned. You know, you trust your heart. Your heart knows what's right. Your heart should not be doubted. uh, If you wanted to summarize it, you could say that our culture is a culture that says to us, the key to success is express yourself. And so we do things like this. That was my cousin. No. Uh, (laughs) um, Our culture says express yourself, and it looks at us in the church, looks at the message of Christianity, and it says, oh, the message of Christianity is dangerous. Because Christians tell us we need to suppress ourselves. Don't express yourself, suppress what your heart says. Our world has misunderstood Christianity, though. Uh, The message of the Bible is actually quite different. We've been seeing this in that Life Beyond Seven Deadly Sins series recently. The message of the Bible is much more something like this. It's, It's cultivate yourself, cultivate your inner life so that it produces uh, a true freedom, uh, so that you can express yourself with freedom and, and, uh, and know where you're heading. And it's that kind of wisdom that we see from the Father in the book of Proverbs. He says something that's kind of different to our culture, but also in tune a bit. So on the one hand, he recognizes the power of the heart, the significance of the the heart as the driving force in our lives. He calls it the wellspring of life. But he also recognizes that our hearts are not neutral. They can be influenced, sometimes for good, sometimes not for good. And so he says, look, because the heart is so central, above all else, the one thing that you need to do, you need to pay attention to, you need to guard your heart. And the longer that I live, the more I'm convinced that he's right. So for the next 20 minutes or so, I want us to think hard about what this verse means above all else guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life we're going to do that by thinking about where this particular verse fits into the bigger picture of proverbs and and proverbs chapter four and then we're going to think about what's going to look like in very practical terms if you think of proverbs 423 as a house we're going to open up the front door and go inside and check out all the rooms and see what's it going to be like to live here how's this going to change our life What kind of life are we going to have if we're living in this verse? So let's start with the bigger context. The book of Proverbs, I think many of you probably know this. It's part of the wisdom literature of the ancient Israelites, written about 3,000 years ago. And as wisdom literature, what it's concerned with is helping us to know how to be, what do you reckon? Wise. Yeah, that's right. Wise. And so it says to us, in this world, there are two kinds of categories of life. You can be wise or you can be foolish. They're the two options. And Proverbs is written to help each of us to find ourselves in the wise category and avoid being in the foolish category. So what's the difference between these two, wisdom and and folly? Well, it's not a difference of mental capacity. That's important to understand. Not a difference of mental capacity. It's more a difference of mental attitude. Okay? 
It's not so much about what's going on for a person intellectually as it is what's going on spiritually. Um, Wisdom is not about achievement or giftedness. What Proverbs is getting at is all about character. So in the book of Proverbs, the difference between wisdom and folly, it's not about knowing and not knowing the right kind of information. I mean, that's a significant thing, but that's, that's not what wisdom is. It's the difference between being or not being the right kind of person. And at the foundation of all of that is this one idea about fearing or not fearing God. That's the kind of thing on which all of wisdom is going to be built. We're going to have a look at a few verses in Proverbs that talk about that. So in chapter 1, verse 7, you might want to look it up. I'm going to put it on the screen in a couple of minutes. But if, uh, if the book of Proverbs had a coat of arms, I don't know what kind of animals would be there. But you know how they have that curly ribbon with the Latin uh, motto often on a coat of arms? Well, Proverbs 1 verse 7, this would probably be what's the motto. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Or maybe chapter 9 verse 10 says a very similar thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That's the theme, that's the foundation of all this stuff about wisdom in Proverbs. If you want wisdom, then you need to have this proper understanding of who God is, relationship with God. And I want you to notice, not just any God, it's not just you need to be a spiritual person and kind of in tune with the universe. Proverbs is being very specific, very politically incorrect, you might say. And both of those verses that I've just put up there use the personal name for God that we find in the Old Testament. Just a reminder, when you're reading the Old Testament and you come across the Lord and Lord is written all caps, uh, it's not just someone's made a mistake in typing or they're angry. Uh, This is the way that our English Bibles indicate to us that in the Hebrew, the original Hebrew, the writers have used the personal name for God there that was revealed to Moses at the burning bush. So uh, Moses is at the burning bush and, and he says, who are you? Who should I say sent me? And God says, tell them that I am sent you. Uh, and in, in Hebrew, it, it's, it's never written out fully because the Jewish people did not want to speak God's holy name out loud. So they would write the um, consonants, but then use the vowels uh, for the word for the Lord, Adonai, so that Someone reading in Hebrew in the Old Testament would see that they would know that it's the personal name for God, but they would just use the ordinary word, Lord. And so our English Bibles do a similar thing. So this is, it's not just in tune with the universe. It's not a vague spirituality. It's very specific. If you're going to be wise, you need to know personally the God of the Bible who revealed himself to the prophets and most clearly of all, in the person of Jesus Christ. So let me sum that up a little bit. The book of Proverbs is saying you can know everything about everything. You can even know everything about the Bible, but if you don't have this personal relationship, if you don't fear the Lord, if you haven't got this humble, awe-filled, trembling yet joyful connection with God and who he is, 
doesn't matter how much you know, you'll never ever be wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So that's kind of where we are when we come into Proverbs chapter 4. And like I said before, it's a father talking to his son, giving him advice, and, and you see here he's pleading with his son to make sure he gets this kind of wisdom, that he makes sure he has this proper understanding of who God is and he relates to him. So let's have a look at a little bit of Proverbs 4 together. Uh, I want to read from verse 5. So father talking to his son, he says, get wisdom, get understanding. They're kind of synonymous there, talking about the same idea. Verse 6, do not forsake wisdom. She'll protect you. Love her. She'll watch over you. Verse 7, wisdom supreme. So make sure you get wisdom, even if it costs everything that you have. Get understanding. Because this is what's going to look out for you. This is what will guard you and protect you and guide you in life. You get a sense of the cruciality, how significant this is when you read verses 10 through to 19. And I want to show you the the contrast between the two different paths, the two different roads that you can walk down. So have a look at verse 14. He says about the path of the wicked, first of all. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and go your own way. So that's the the path of the wicked, the foolish path. By contrast, verse 18, the path of the righteous, what's that like? It's like the first gleam of dawn, shining brighter. I've left a word out there accidentally, actually. Shining ever brighter till the full light of day. Just think about the image that's being used there in verse 18. What's the first gleam of dawn like? It's dark, right? You can't actually see much at the first gleam of dawn. But as the day goes on, it gets brighter and brighter. And I think that's the image that's being used here. It doesn't always seem like the path of the righteous is going to be the best path to follow. But keep going. Because the longer that you walk the path of wisdom, the brighter it's going to become. Don't give up. Keep walking. And you've got to remember that because the highway of fools may actually seem more attractive to you at times. It certainly is going to seem attractive to uh, family members, work colleagues who might ridicule you for following Jesus. may even seem to you at times to be the more rational or more compassionate pathway, more appropriate for our contemporary society. But what the father is saying to his son here is, don't get sucked in by that. The path of the righteous might seem dark at first, but it's like the first gleam of dawn growing ever brighter till the full light of day. Make sure you stick on that path. Get the wisdom the Bible's talking about because, have a look at verse 19. The very next verse he talks about what the path of the wicked is actually like. He says, the way of the wicked is like this. It's, it's like deep darkness which is a place where you don't know what is making you stumble. And this is one of the themes of Proverbs. The fool doesn't know what danger he's in. He can't imagine for a moment that he'd possibly be mistaken. He's in darkness. Why? Because there's no fear of the Lord in his heart. There's no humility before God. The problem with the fool is not what he knows... 
or what she knows or doesn't know. The problem with the fool is what's going on in her heart, in his heart. And that's why you get to chapter 4, verse 23. That's why this is the above all else piece of advice. Because it's about the heart and the importance of the heart. So here we are at this verse, this house. Let's open up the front door and see what it might be like to live here, set up house here. Notice there is only one action that we're called to do, right? It's not above all else, remember these seven things. It's above all else, just this one thing, guard your heart. That's different to follow your heart, isn't it? Um, The clear implication, I think, of this verse is that your heart's direction, your heart's motives can be changed, it can be influenced for good, made wise, or it can be influenced for evil. So the context, remember, of Proverbs 4 is saying, don't choose the path of evil, choose the path of righteousness. Guard your heart because there's danger ahead if you let it get captive, uh, captivated by the wrong things. Guard your heart, be active in this, be deliberate in this. This is something that requires attention. It's not like... Um, a vaccination or inoculation where you just have one jab and then you don't have to worry, you're not going to get that germ ever again. Uh, This is something that is constant. Do you know, just a few years after William Shakespeare died, another Englishman was writing, a guy called John Flavel, and he was talking about exactly this. He said, the greatest difficulty in conversion is to win the heart to God. So that's the, the hard thing. You've got to win a person's heart to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says... And the greatest difficulty after conversion is to keep the heart with God. It's not an automatic thing. It's not something that you can just sit back and relax about. You need to guard your heart. You need to be constantly aware of what's influencing it. Why? Well, because it's so crucial, everything in your life ultimately flows from your heart. See, the imagery of the heart in the Bible, it's not the way we often talk about the heart. It's not just the seat of our emotions. Uh, It's not even just the emotions and the mind. It's, It's a whole lot more than that. If there was a jet propulsion lab at NASA back in the day of King Solomon, this might have been the image of it. It's the command and control center for everything that goes on in your life. Maybe a simpler image. It's like the rudder on a large ship that sets the direction. We, we see Jesus talking about how the heart is the source of everything in our life. We saw it in Luke chapter 6 a few weeks back. He talks about how our behavior is an overflow of what's in our heart, how our words are evidence of the condition of our heart. And in the words of Proverbs 4.23, it's the wellspring of life. Everything flows from your heart. So make it a priority to guard your heart. That's what Proverbs 4.23 is saying. Realize how significant this is and then guard your heart. Pay attention to what's going into your soul because your heart is not something that is fixed and perfect. It can be influenced for good, but it can also be influenced for bad. So what's it going to look like in practical terms to actually do this guarding of the heart? Well, I want to take you to two other places in the Bible for some help. 
Uh, we're going to start in another part of Proverbs, Proverbs 13, verse 20, and then go to the New Testament. So, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. What that's saying is you and I don't have our character locked in place. Um, who we are can be influenced for good or bad. So, it's saying if you spend your time in the company of the wise, that will influence you towards wisdom. But if you spend your time with fools, if you're a companion of fools, then watch out. There are going to be consequences for that, and it won't be pretty. Now, the thing that we need to just mark and notice here is that when we read companions, we think about the people who we hang out with. But um, the changes in technology over the last 3,000 years mean we can hang out with people and be influenced by them in ways the writer of Proverbs couldn't even imagine. Here in Epping in 2017, there's so much more than just the flesh and blood people you spend time with. So the things we listen to and the things we read and the things that are on in the background as we go on with the day-to-day stuff of life, uh, what we watch, the places we visit, the websites we visit, all of that I think can be included in that idea of the companions of Proverbs 13.20. And they are going to influence us one way or another. So if you want to be wise, the thing that we can do practically is we need to spend time with the right companions. And if we want to avoid being in the company of fools, then what we need to do is we need to work out what those things are and we just need to boot them out, send them packing, kick them out of the house. Let's go to the New Testament, though. Um, Galatians chapter 6, and I want to look at verses 7 and 8. We're heading to Galatians, Byrne reminded us in a couple of weeks' time. Um, right at the end of Galatians, it says this in chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. In other words, uh, if you're feeling a bit sleepy now, wake up. Don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A woman reaps what she sows. Verse 8, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, guess what? From that nature will reap destruction, but the one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So same idea. If you want to guard your heart, then you need to pay attention to what you're sowing into your life because what you sow is, without doubt, eventually what you're going to reap. Now, you know that's true in the botanical world, gardening world. If you go to um, Swain's in Carlingford and you buy a packet of Mr. Fothergill's tomato seeds, and you sow them in your garden and water them, there's no way uh, that you wouldn't think for a minute that you're going to get a harvest of mangoes from those tomato seeds. It just doesn't happen. And the Bible's saying the same thing's true for the totality of your life. Don't think for a minute that you can fool God with this. Don't think for a minute that, well, yeah, but I can manage this. I can get through this. Don't think that you can, for a minute, sow pornography into your life and not have a harvest of impurity growing up in your heart. You reap what you sow. Don't think for a minute that you can sow a diet of violence and profanity in your life through what you watch on the screen or from the computer games that you play and not see a harvest of violent feelings and profanity start to invade your inner life and maybe then come out in your words and your actions as well. 
Now, I say that. I, I want to stand up here and testify. I know how true that is. Um, in my life, there have been TV shows that I've really enjoyed. The Wire, HBO show, was one of them. I really got into it, was loving it, but then I decided I need to stop watching this. End of season two, I kind of cut it off because I could see things changing in my internal heart life. Um, also for me, since around about this time uh, last year, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about American presidential politics. And I really enjoy them. But the cynicism that's there is now starting to rub off on me in unhelpful ways, in my thinking, in my attitudes. And I'm realizing, yeah, it's true. You will reap what you sow, and I need to make a change here. So don't be fooled and think that you can sow this and get a different crop. Uh, the other thing, of course, is not only when we think about guarding our heart do we have to make sure that we're not sowing those unhelpful things, we need to realize that when we're spending so much of our time pursuing this other stuff, we don't actually have time to cultivate the good stuff, the stuff that will bring a good harvest. So let's think mangoes again. If you want to get a harvest of mangoes, not only do you have to wake up to the fact that planting tomato seeds will never give you mangoes, the other thing that you need to do is you need to go out and plant Mangoes, right? You need to plant the mangoes and you need to nurture them and water them and help them grow. And so if you want to guard your heart, if you want to see godliness and wisdom and the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us, then you need to be deliberate about sowing what's good into your life. That's not rocket science, is it? But it is wisdom. What can you do? Well, sow habits of reading the Bible, of meditating on God's word. Um, just because you've read all of the Bible once or twice or three times doesn't mean that you're cultivating that. Sow habits of reading books and blogs that are going to fill your heart with the good news of the gospel. Spend time being deliberate about sowing that into your life. So habits of generosity. Um, I just want to, first of all, say thank you, uh, how encouraging it has been over the, the three weeks that we uh, said, you know, can you indicate your pledges for this new uh, staffing thing, how encouraging it's been to see those pledges come in and people be incredibly generous. And if you want to see generosity grow in your life, if you want to see the character of Christ in your life, then it's not going to happen if you're not generous. You need to sow generosity. You, you can sow generosity with money, but you can sow generosity with your time as well. Um, taking the time to make the phone call. When that person goes through your head, just send them the text message. Don't let that moment pass. Consider it a holy moment given to you by God. So habits of forgiveness and mercy. For me, I am replacing some of those political podcasts I've been listening to with preachers who nourish my soul and with spending more time listening to the Bible on my phone. I can't expect the good things to grow in my life if I'm not deliberate about sowing those good things. It's the same for you. That's what the scriptures are telling us here. So can I plead with you? Please 
Be men and women who are deliberate, who above all else are deliberate about guarding your heart. Please be men and women who sow to please the Spirit. Be men and women who choose deliberately the company of the wise. Don't think that you can fool God. Uh, Don't think that you can handle it, that you might be a mature enough Christian to not get sucked in because those verses we looked at, they have sure and certain consequences, don't they? A companion of fools suffers harm, not might some of the time suffer harm. In Galatians 6 verse 7, God can't be mocked. You are going to reap what you sow. So guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. Let me finish up with a practical tip then for you. If you're you're struggling in this area and you're looking at your life and you're thinking, oh, but I keep sowing that garbage. I, I, I keep finding myself on that path. For every one look that you take at a place where you've stumbled in the company of fools, remember to take ten looks at Jesus. Ten looks at Jesus because above all else, above all others, 10,000 feet above all others, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is the one reliable companion who will always help you grow in wisdom. Because in him, Colossians 2 verse 3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Truly. Do you actually believe that though? Not intellectually, I'm I'm asking in a wisdom kind of way. Is that something that grips your heart to think that in Christ in all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and God has given him to me. I, I can be in communion with him. He's poured out his spirit into my life. Does that provide you with this overwhelming sense of thankfulness and confidence and joy and, and humility? Jesus says, just in case you, you're not sure whether you believe it, Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Because here's what's going to happen. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within him. If you want to look after that wellspring of your own life and have streams of living water flowing out, don't cram your heart full of death. Fill your heart with the love and the power and the wisdom of Christ. Submit to him as your Lord and Saviour. Jesus Christ who died to pay the price for our foolishness. So it's not a debt that we have to carry anymore. And who then pours out his spirit into our lives so that we don't live what the world says, lives of suppression, but we can actually live lives of true freedom. And that's what Proverbs 4.23 is about. It's about guiding us in the way of true freedom. So remember that verse. Memorize it. Live by it. Dwell in it. Set up house there. Above all else, guard your heart. Because it is the wellspring of life. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your amazing grace. 
we were left to our own devices, we, the amount of foolishness in our lives would certainly lead to our destruction. We thank you for sending the Lord Jesus, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We thank you that he's borne the cost of our foolishness so that we can live lives of true freedom. So, Father, help us to be people who guard our hearts, who sow to please the Spirit, who keep company with the wise, so that we might grow up into the freedom that you have for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.